The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. So every year on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Eve, our church's altar is always decorated for as long as I've been here. Um, And the the person that did that for a number of years, Donna and Nicholas, uh, she became ill. She couldn't do it for the last couple years. So two of our staff members stepped up to do it. And and how magnificent of a job did they do? Isn't that great? (laughs) Praise God uh, that we can just have a clear reminder of his blessings, his abundant blessings to it. Really, that's what the altar is about. It's a symbol of Jesus' sacrifice, number one. But then when we gather together and we see this, you know, yes, it's with fruits and vegetables and all that kind of thing. But really, how has he blessed us through this year? And as I was preparing for this, this message, the riches of God given to us, I was thinking of, he, he's done that kind of three ways. With earthly possessions, with the non-tangible possessions the things like relationships that we have, family members work, school relationships, and then certainly when we read from Ephesians chapter 1, all the spiritual blessings that we receive. And so that kind of uh, richness that we have, we're going to talk about um, this evening. And I want you to think really with me uh, through the history uh, of Christianity, the history of our world, just for a moment. Um, And you think right from the very beginning, um, there's kind of a misunderstanding, I would think, or, or people that understand uh, how, the, how the Bible talks about possessions, about material wealth. And I want you to think about this. Some, for example, there's clergymen today that, that drive around in a Rolls Royce and live in a mansion. There's nothing wrong with that. But then, when he speaks to his flock, when he speaks to his congregation, he says to them, you know what? If you just have enough faith and you follow the biblical principles of what, how it's outlined in money and you name this and you claim it, you can have this kind of blessing from God too, what I have. And he teaches that. And we, we, we wonder, hmm, is that the kind of teaching that's in the Scriptures? Is that the kind of attitude and perspective that God lays out in the Bible about money? And then from the earliest of times in our Christian faith, you have people that say, you know what? Anything but the bare necessities in life, everything, all that other stuff is just evil. The material wealth, no. Just take what you need. Go live a life of solitude. It's called asceticism. Live a life of solitude and prayer, and really you'll be more blessed by God if you do that. So you have one end of the Christian spectrum, Rolls-Royce mansion. You have another end, nothing. Which one is right? Kind of the way we live life, we experience, you know, the kind of like they're not they're not right either of them and so we think well what does scripture have to say to us and that's what we're going to talk about tonight i want to open up your bibles please to luke chapter 12 13 uh, verse 13 to 21 luke 12 and we're going to hear uh jesus speaking a story and it's commonly called the parable of the rich fool parable of the rich fool we're going to understand what god says about riches and possessions. And that's what we're talking about tonight. What we'll meditate on is really God's attitude or our attitude towards what God gives to us. Beginning in verse 13. 
Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or or an arbitrator between you? And I just want to stop here for a minute and say it was common in, in Jewish custom for people to ask rabbis, for people to ask teachers to kind of be the mediator, to mediate, to tell us what the Torah, what the scriptures say to us about who's going to get this inheritance from a father. Because typically, the first son, the oldest son, gets a double portion of the father's possessions. And so this man is asking uh, Jesus, a rabbi, would you rule here? And this debate and this family squabble, what's going on? And Jesus said, man, I'm not going to do that. But what I know in your heart is to be talking about, I'm going to tell you the story. It's about greed because that's really the heart of the issue. And so he begins to tell this story in verse 15. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things. Laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. It's a harsh word. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Here's the story of Jesus, the parable of the rich fool. What makes this rich person foolish? It's his greed-filled heart and really a non-existent attitude toward God. The man in the story, he left God out of the picture. He acts, he, look at the self-talk that, that he has to, to himself. I'm going to take care of my future. I'm going to tell myself uh, I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to be merry. And uh, notice the way. I love it the way Luke emphasized it. You might have heard it in my inflection. In verse 17, my crops. Really? They're his crops? In verse 18, my barns? My goods? In verse 19, myself? Why is he a rich fool? Because he says to himself, I've laid up plenty for myself. He's essentially patting himself on the back. Good job. That's a great plan. How wise it is that that, that I came up with it myself. And what tragedy it is that he leaves God out of the equation. I mean, he doesn't even ask for God's blessing or wisdom. He doesn't ask for any family members or any friends to help him out here. What should I do here? He's completely alone in his decision. And he speaks only to himself and thinks to himself, you know what? That's a scary position to be in. Because what do we know about ourselves and our hearts? They oftentimes, they deceive us, don't they? Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful, deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? 
That's what God's word says about who we are in our sinful nature. Mark chapter 7 says these words, from, For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, and it goes on. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. You know, we can see in this world the results of sin, can't we? And the consequences of sin, they're all over the place. We see that, but then where does sin originally start? Between our ears. Usually in our thoughts and the eyes of our heart that look to be greedy, just like this man. The sin of wanting more and not being grateful for what we have. I think it's interesting in today's world, and maybe you've heard it too, that, that people often, they, they, they misquote the Bible, that a Bible saying about money. You know, you ever hear this, you know, money is the root of all kinds of evils, or money is the root of all evil. You hear it said that way sometimes? And yet from 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, for the, what? Love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. See, this verse actually teaches that it's the love of money that's the problem, not money itself. And that's really kind of a very attractive kind of miss, quote. What do I mean by that? How is it attractive? Because it shifts the blame from us to money. I mean, money's the problem, not me. That's an easy, easy thing to do. And maybe you've known people that are just caught up and say, well, you know, just, I'm upset with God. You know, I'm upset because he's given me all this. I don't know what to do with it. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard that, but oh my. We can be poor, innocent victims then of possessions and wealth. And then the Gospel of Luke, not just in, in Luke 12 here, but then in Luke 16 and in Luke 18, it gives to us Jesus teaching a little bit more about possessions and wealth. Look at Luke 16 up on the screen. It's a parable of the shrewd manager. In verses 10 and 11, it says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And Jesus went on to say then, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. And in Luke 18, he tells this story about this rich young man who says, hey, how can I inherit salvation? And in Luke 18, uh, Jesus says, you know what? Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Just give it, give it away. And you're going to have treasure in heaven and then follow me. And this, this young ruler goes away very just, just sad because he couldn't do it. And then Jesus' words, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So Luke, as a writer, tells Jesus stories about wealth and possessions and our attitude towards them. And so back in, in our story, the parable of the rich fool, the verse 21, go ahead and look at that, Luke 12, 21. How does Jesus contrast this storing up for ourselves? storing up for themselves. Do you see it? What's the other option that Jesus offers here? Being rich toward God. Being rich toward God. What does that mean? Have you ever thought about how do, how do you become rich toward God? What do you, what, what do, you do there? How do, how do we do that? 
Well, being rich toward God means being close to Him. Being grateful for the abundance of spiritual blessings that we have. Not just the earthly possessions, not just the non-tangible family relationship relations we have, but, but also all the spiritual blessings that God gives to us. Now, I know uh, that we have some guests in town. We have some children uh, in those seats. And so I want to do a, a bit of a children's message here. It's going to be very short. Very sweet. I asked uh, a, a girl to come up here. Her name's Bryn Wagner. So, Bryn, why don't you come up? And we're going to do this little activity, just kind of uh, talking about what's it mean that, that, to be rich toward God. And right in my hand, Bryn, you see I have a 1981 quarter. See that just in case there's other quarters back here on this altar. All right? So I'm going to hide that. So I want you to turn around. Close your eyes. Put your cover your 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 hands your your hand your eyes with your hands. Okay, and I'm going to hide this somewhere on the altar area. Could be on the altar. Could be on the screen. Who knows? I don't know where it's going to be. And and when I say open and and, and go find it, I'm going to tell you if you're hot or cold or frozen or you know whatever you know the game, right? Are you ready, Bryn? Go find it. I'll tell you if you're hot and cold. Go ahead. Where do you think it could be? Oh, you're kind of warm. You're kind of warm. Try not to put any of those, pull any of those fruits and vegetables down, though. Could, they could kind of... You know, I told you it could be anywhere on the altar, right? Right? I mean, not just here, but could be anywhere, Really? So where do you think it is? Keep, keep searching. Oh, you're getting warmer. Oh my gosh, you're getting so warm. You're on fire. Oh. You're so close. I mean, you have no idea how close you are to this 1981 quarter, by the way. I was, I was a freshman in high school in 1981. You're, you're, you're so hot. I mean... Oh, my goodness. Thank you. You can keep the quarter. You're welcome. Happy Thanksgiving. Rich man I am. Simple game. You guys probably have played it with your kids, your grandkids, whatever. But here it is. How do you become rich toward God? Well, actually, God is the one that draws you to himself. He draws you to himself. How? For just a moment on this Thanksgiving Eve, we're going to just be blessed to tell you how. So the spiritual blessings that God gives to us, think about this. And I could go on, and we could go on, and on. we could spend the whole night on thinking, how does God draw us to himself? He gives us the free gift of faith, and in the person, the work of Jesus, we get this gift that's free by grace, through faith, by the words of God. We're adopted into God's family. Remember Ephesians 1? His written word 
that's there for us every day. I mean, how many Bibles do we have in our house that we can open up and read? And on our phones, I saw many of you reading God's Word right from your phones. He gives us wisdom and knowledge and understanding, undeserved grace day after day. His perfect Son, Jesus, the powerful Holy Spirit, that when the Word of God is spoken, works in our hearts and our minds, the fruits of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I mean, think about that. Goodness, self-control. What if we didn't have those characteristics. How would light look for us if we didn't have that? Can you imagine? But he gives us those gifts, those fruits of the Spirit, spiritual gifts and talents, access to God himself through prayer. We can go right to God's throne of grace. We have one mediator between God and man, that's Jesus. We pray in his name. Jesus, who actually intercedes for us, who is, when we're praying, we don't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit and Jesus are going before the Father on my behalf on your behalf. So when I'm praying, and I don't know what I'm praying for, when I'm flubbing up in words, when I'm preaching like this, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're all working because God's word is open for us. We're part of this family of God and this community. I look out at every single one of you, and we do life together. We, we cry together. We laugh together. We work together. We serve together. This family of God, angels, his holy angels that watch over us, this sanctification process, this being made holy more and more because of God's Spirit. I mean, are those spiritual blessings or what? Amen? We, are, we, we have these in our possession is un- incredible. And so when we play this hot and cold game, I just want you to have that image of how, how do we become rich toward God? Well, first, He's rich toward us. He draws us to himself. And every time that we come to church, we're in a Bible study. When you do personal devotion, we're reminded, we're reminded of these blessings. And then we become rich toward him in prayer and praise and thanksgiving. How do we become rich toward God? We use all the gifts that he has for us and we give him thanks. And we give him praise. And we share that gift with others. We're reminded of that every time we come into worship. And I just want you to think about, you know, Luke wrote this gospel, but he wrote another book. What was that book? The book of Acts, this compendium, the second book. And in book of Acts, chapter 2, the very first Christians, I think they learned these parables and lessons of Jesus. Why do I say that? Acts chapter 2, verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And what did the Lord do? Added to their number daily those who were being saved. You think those first Christians understood the parable of Jesus? The parables of Jesus? Acts chapter 4 verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that they had any of, uh, claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But they shared everything they had. Is that incredible? Is that spectacular? I mean, wow. That's the kind of Christian living that happens. And that's the example we get to read about in the scripture. It leaves a lasting impression. Jesus' words does. And I hope it does in your hearts and mind when you're reminded of that. So that we might be rich towards God. Now, I don't want to boast about Faith Lutheran Church. But I do want to boast in the Lord and what he does through us. As you look at these bags in front of the altar there, they serve a purpose for our food pantry. This food pantry that we have for members of our church who, when there's a financial need, when they go through rough times, it's for them. And when it's not, 
Then it goes to friends of members and family in the community. And so this past year, 125 families a month are served. 1,400 families a year. 3,553 pounds of of food per month. 42,396 per year. This is from Jim Priest, who runs the food ministry and all his volunteers. And by the way, at the end of the service, we'd love to have your help with these bags. Take them to the back, and then we're going to go to the maintenance building and put that and fill the food bank. And your offerings above and beyond the tithes that we have go to thousands and thousands of dollars that we collect every year to make this happen. I'm taking, as Pastor Joe prayed, a truckload of food to the UP uh, on Monday. And we're going to give them hygiene items and 150 pairs of boots and all kinds of stuff that we collected in this past month. Just a blessing. I mean, praise God. Isn't that great that we get to do that? And it's, it's him working through us and each one of you. And it's really just an awesome thing that I can be the deliverer of God's love and then see how he works and report back to you being rich toward God. That's an attitude and that's a perspective that God has for us to use the blessings that he gives. And one of those blessings is this, that when we come to church, we acknowledge our sin before him. We have the gift of repentance given to us through the Holy Spirit. He's faithful when I'm faithless. When I'm a sinner, he forgives my sin. And you can acknowledge that in prayer and and come in here before and just thanking God in Christ alone. All the songs we sing point toward that, that we're close to him. Being rich toward God means being grateful, being close to Him, being rich toward God, knowing this from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that you through His poverty might become rich. Isn't that a good verse? Brothers and sisters in Christ, there's so much to be thankful for this Thanksgiving. When you gather with family, when you gather with friends, if people who aren't believers in Jesus uh, are with you, would you pray about sharing the riches of God's mercy and grace with them? Would you tell them how much God loves us, that he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins and to rise again from the dead as you live life, as you do life in this world? And I think you would agree with me that Christians have more reason to give thanks than any other person in the world. We do. We have a Savior in Jesus. We have the sure promise of eternal life. We have peace with God. And isn't this a true fact? That Christians are the only ones who can properly give thanks. We are. Because we know from whom we receive all the blessings. The one and only true God, Father, Son, and and Holy Spirit. He is the one that richly blesses us. Only Christians are children of God. And that's good news. And that's bad news, isn't it? I mean, because we live in a world of 7 billion people, 2 billion confess to be Christians, 5 billion don't know that. And so as Christians, we are able to acknowledge, yes, is there greed in our hearts sometimes? Absolutely. We confess that to him, we receive forgiveness and say, and Jesus says to you, your sins are forgiven. And now receive my mercy and my grace to you. Be close to me. Be rich toward me. How do we do that? In praise in thanksgiving, and in song. And we're going to do that as we close tonight.